When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, with hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Don't you feel it? Perfect. Right at the end of the day, I see things coming my way. It's not pretty. It's not good. It's nothing like you thought it was. The boogeyman is here. So now, you got to prepare. Win or lose, it's all up to you. So what you gonna do, what you gonna do? The world is not like it was before. It used to be so much more. But the aliens are back. To throw us all off track. What, you didn't think you had an enemy? There's no such thing as friendly. It's changed for the worse. And you are under the curse. Your ancestors left for you. So now what you gonna do? You feel it all around you. Your ancestors got a hold of you. No more sneaking, telling lies. Because you realize. There's something happening here. Producing fake fear. Oh, I'm scared. But don't shed no tears. Just get your shit in gear. Truth is coming down to you. Then you gotta make your own truth. Know your right mind. Your future is the time. Don't become their fool. Eat you. All they wanna do is snack you. Demonic spirit came down. In 9 11, they came to town. So be ready. Yes, I am, Sister Bev. Uh, I am here. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you really clear. And uh, for those of you that is not familiar with Sister Seta, uh, she is a true believer in metaphysical side of reality. She has written for such publication as Helium and Science Fiction Magazine, 
Her mentors were Dr. Delbert Blair and Bobby Hemmett, to name a few. Right now, she is working on a script for the chemistry that she hopes will gain momentum for the likes of Netflix and Amazon. So uh, it's great to have you. We have started one of your books, and what is the name of that? Well, the book right now that we're into is called The Bright Light uh, for the Chemistry File Series. And uh, we completed part 100 all the way down to part 98. Right now we're in part 97, the uniting. And um, there's a lot of information in these novels pertaining to today, uh, in the past, and in the future. So um, I think everybody's going to enjoy it. All right. So Mm kind of give us uh, a little bit of what you have read to us in the uh, past couple of weeks to bring us up. Okay, well, looking back on part 100, first of all, let me say this, uh, Sister Beverly. Mm -hmm. Um, These books are for entertainment purposes only. Uh, We're not saying that this is some of this is factual, and some of it I did research on, mm-hmm. but a lot of it is uh, fiction written around nonfiction, if that helps the listening okay. audience. Okay. And um, also, uh, I have a little part where I come in before the introduction to let everyone know that um, this is uh, no portion or depiction of the work may be reproduced by any means electronically or otherwise without the express written consent of a copyright holder, which is me. Brief patch- passages can be used in reviews and is only accepted by the copyright holder's permission, which is me. Any duplication of this material, material will be subject to prosecution. And of course, you don't have, no one has the lockdown on any ideas. Mm-hmm. But when you uh, copyright other works by other people, for instance, um, Sister Sophia Stewart, that when it that's when it becomes very serious on the uh, duplication part. And I'm pretty sure that our listening audiences, it's just going to be cool to just listen to the book. Yeah. Which is, I hope they do get ideas from it and and take it, you know, a little further. That would be great. Yeah, because I know uh, a lot of the information that's been coming off of your show has been great. So we're, you know, you're tapping into something that uh, is is really mind blowing. All right. Well, I, I thank you for being a part of it. <laughs> well, I appreciate being a part of it. Thank okay. you. All right. So, but um. And now we now I'm sorry I did I, we did start to say uh, I was going to get you guys up to speed from part 100 so let me okay. go ahead and get you guys up to speed okay part 100 was the introduction of the all black military team special division team going over to Africa to the motherland and being the only um, soldiers to guard this precious find that they found over in Bonarco. And it was um, spearheaded by uh, Nelson Mandela, who was president at one time of South Africa, and our former president, Barack Obama. So they only wanted our soldiers. They didn't want any other soldiers simply because they did not want 
that information leaked out. Mm. And so we got them over there to Africa. And so uh, in part, what's it, 98, uh, they met up with the other African soldiers that Nelson Mandela shows from Johannesburg, and they met all the scientists. And they were really preparing for, you know, a situation where, you know, you had a lot of other countries trying to come in and see what was going on um, that's happening with those ships that's halfway in the sand, and some of them are out of the sand. So you had a lot of countries trying to figure out what was going on with all these military people in the middle of the desert. So that's okay. where we are now. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay, so <clears throat> since we were having trouble, would you like to go ahead and get started? Yes, yes. Okay, we're on part 97, the uniting. It's uh, a typically long chapter, and we may have only time to do this one, and we can go on with the next one next week, but everybody mm-hmm. sit back, and here we go. Okay, part 97, the uniting. It had been 23 long, grueling months since the Marines landed in the motherland. Soon Leo would be joined by his wife. This was something they both waited for. Ayera, in her haste to be with her husband, found that for her, being around friends who had a small inkling of what was going on, came as a relief in her life. For without having any family to voice her thoughts to, She had been engaging in the presence of Sergeant Greer's wife, Amelia. Now, if you guys could recall, and you might have to go back and listen to part 100, uh, Mm -hmm. Sergeant Greer is in this military team with uh, Leo Knight, um, Ayera's husband. So they were friends. So they knew each other. Okay? Okay. Now, she's Mm -hmm. a woman and he's a man, right? Yes, Sergeant Greer is one of uh, Leo Knight's soldiers, okay. and Amelia is um, Leo Leo's wife. Okay. okay, and Sergeant Greer is uh, Amelia's husband, and Ayera is uh, Major Knight's wife. So, okay. and the ladies' names are both starts with an A. With an A, so they you have to we'll 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 we'll, we'll go through this as we go on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and you and you'll you'll see why. Uh, this is one of those parts where we talked about rocky roads mm-hmm. and everything that we do. So we're we're in a rocky road period right now. So let okay. me continue. Okay, here we go. With the hours rapidly approaching to make the trip, Ayara's desire to speak with her friend grew more and more urgent, for she felt the nervousness almost too unbearable to handle. Upon awakening, she gave Garvin's wife a call. Amelia, you know it's early, but I need to see you. This is Ayera. Are you busy now? No, I am not. Are you all right? Asked Amelia. No, I mean, yes, I'm fine. I'm nervous. As we have been discussing, you know I am meeting my husband in the motherland, and, well, this might sound silly to you, but it's been a while since we have been together, and I am nervous. I love him so much that I feel like this will be our first meeting. Does that sound crazy, or am I paranoid? And in these novels, we have men 
and women that are couples in here. So I don't want anyone to get that confused. This is straight. This is straight, this is straight people. Okay, let me continue. Ayera, I see how much you love Leo, and no, it doesn't. I feel the same way about Gari, but well. I can't say anything too much over the phone. I have nothing else to do but be here in this big old house alone, and I do enjoy our visits every week. Please come over and let's talk. Once she hung up the phone, Ayura dressed herself comfortably in a white long sleeve shirt and a pair of jeans. She slipped on a pair of red sandals and drove methodically over to the Greer residence. Once there, she rang the doorbell and a mirror and Amelia answered. She was the identical height of her husband, but with her thin frame still in her silky green house robe, with her fluffy black house slippers on her size double A, size 10 feet. Come in, Ayara. You want coffee or I can make you some tea? I'll have some tea. Thank you. I don't understand why you're on edge to see your man. You'll be leaving in a few days, said Amelia while they sat down at the breakfast nook waiting for the tea kettle to sound off. I know, I don't know what it is. It's like he's brand new. After all, our marriage is only 23 months, three weeks, four days, four hours, nine minutes, and 13 seconds old. See, I love you, girlfriend, but I hate when you do that. You're so precise when it comes to numbers and him and you're stressing yourself out about it. He loves you, and you have nothing to worry about. Now me, I should be the one coming over to your house. That statement she made came as a surprise to her, as Amelia retrieved the teapot from the stove and brought it over to the table to make their beverages. Ayura had no idea that her friends were having problems in their personal lives. As Amelia began to pour the scalding hot water into the oversized coffee mugs, she said, when the military informed our husbands that family could accompany them for a little while in Africa, I asked Garvin, can I come over to the motherland and visit? There's nothing here to keep me from going over there except his interest in the boule and what they are up to. I don't care what they are doing, but he wanted me to be an all chases, and I simply refused. He's resented me ever since. As a matter of fact, I don't believe he's ever loved me. You see how long it took him to marry me. Ayara was beginning to wonder why she held on to this hurt for so long, not telling anyone her secret pain from the man she married not too long ago. Here I am, coming over to ask you to help me, and you're the one I should be helping. I am sorry, Amelia. What can I do? Tears were welling up in the corner of her eyes as she began to lash out at a year up. She shouted unexpectedly. I knew it was you he wanted a year up. It was you all the time, and when you had him, you didn't know how to treat him. But I knew he still desired you. He wanted you so bad that he chose me, Amelia, a name that was so close to yours. One night when we were intimate, he called out your name. I didn't know you were with him when we were involved. 
I am sure you know how many times Garvin was ugly to me, so I had to leave to keep my sanity. And if I knew you were with him, I would have left him sooner. He lied to you and me. I imagine you were tired of me coming over and spilling my heart out. I am sorry. It's much too late to be sorry, even if you didn't know what was happening. Just know that he is still in love with you, but deep down in his heart, he hates you and Leo. She said no more to her former friend as she left to go to her car. Ayera had no idea the pain Amelia had been through, and although this revelation was a shock to her, she thought Garvin was a changed man and had moved on after her marriage to the love of her life that basically rescued her from him. To her, this was all in the past, and she said to herself, that's where she was going to leave it. In the meantime, Dr. Ocellus continued to find new meanings and references to man and his kind and how he came into being, how they evolved, and the power that they have and their destiny, things she only shared with the president. She didn't know what to do with this information, but knowing him personally like she does, she hopes he intend on making the world a better place for some, but she wasn't sure who would benefit from the technical knowledge of its use. Still, she had no knowledge of the mysterious language that baffled them all. Major, sir, you have a call coming in from the States, said Sergeant Greer. Now, there's that name again. You guys keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll take it. Where's the call based? In the barracks, sir. Thank you. In his heart, he knew that Ayura was calling. He would finally see her and could not wait to hold her once again. There was no better time for him to see his lovely Nubian exotic beauty. Leo Knight was no ugly duckling himself. He had smooth, dark chocolate, brown skin, pearly white teeth with a smile that make your heart melt where you stood. Hair made of black, shiny steel wool that was low to the cut and shaped perfectly. And you know how those military men cut their hair. So he right. that was the way his hair was. <laughs> He had the body of a god with muscles bulging out everywhere. And personally, that is just, and and a personality that is just and fair to all. Hi, baby. I can't wait to see you. I can't either. It's going to be nice to see you in Africa. My uncle Diju and his wife. Oh, yeah, right. Won't they be surprised, said Leo. Yes, they will. Honey, I'm sure they don't live too far from where you are. Instead of me staying on site, I am going to stay with them on the weekend and be with you through the weekday, said Ayara. I don't think that's a good idea right now. Besides, I doubt if the Marines will do it considering the type of mission your husband is on. There might be a likelihood of you getting abducted or worse. But let me run it by my superior and get his opinion. Me, personally, I don't like it. No one but you, me, and the general will know, and I know that you're not going to say anything. Sergeant Greer advised me I had a call. He knew it was you calling me. But, baby, he knows me. What does that have to do with anything? 
I'll never have to come there, and he'll never see me. You can come to me at my uncle's home, said Agira. You have a way of getting to my heart. You know that? I will do whatever you want me to do if it makes you happy. I love you so much, and I can't wait. I will go right now and ask General Miller when you and when you find out what time you will be arriving, call me and let me know so I can be there at the airport to get you. Don't wait until you've arrived. I want to know before you get here. Safety for my wife is first, and you're the only thing that means anything to me right now. So he's saying that he really loves his wife, and he does mm-hmm. not want anything to hurt her, mm-hmm. to, you know, for her to be hurt. So, and and this these are two people that loves each other, man and woman. Okay. okay. <laughs> I promise I will call you back in just a moment if you want to stay by the phone. I need to make one quick call. Okay, I will be waiting, he replied. They both hung up as Major Knight waited for his wife's call. General Miller happened to walk in the barrack to grab a cup of coffee. Major, you're hugging that phone mighty close. Can I ask why? Yes, sir. It's my wife, sir. The military granted her the pass to come and be with me for a little while here. I am waiting on her to call me when she'll and let me know when she'll be arriving. Leonard paused for a second, and he asked, Sir, my wife has family on the other side of Molly. It's about 91 miles from here. She would rather stay with them and visit me on the weekend. Her time here will be short before she head back to the States, and I want to know if she could share in her joy of having the best of both worlds, me and her family. That all sounds good. But have you considered her safety? Have you considered that someone would find out she has a husband who is guarding the most incredible find in the history of the world and all of mankind? Yes, we have, and no one will know this but you and I. Ayira will never tell, and I certainly would never tell. But what are you saying, soldier? I am saying it's between you and me. I'll never allow her to come to the site. I will see her at her uncle's house in civilian clothing. Avery Miller, with his fat Cuban cigar literally hanging out of his mouth, broke down and agreed with his best soldier to do it his way and allow a year of time with her family. And under no circumstances will she be free to discuss anything about her husband and what he was doing there. They both decided to fabricate a job requiring Leo to work for a company in Molly called Calibris. All right, Leonard, the dice is your corner. Make it work. No sooner than the general walked off with his coffee in hand, the phone instantly rang back. Ayera, honey, I am departing on a nonstop midnight flight tonight. I should arrive 10 a.m. Monday morning. Tomorrow? I'll get to see you tomorrow. See you soon, sweetheart. I love you, she replied. Leonard was feeling spiritual and at the same time wicked about his wife coming to stay with him so far away. He couldn't wait to do what he hadn't didn't have much time to do after he married his young bride. He was a man who believed in taking care of his wife and his family. He wanted several children because he came from a military family of seven. 
His parents never had any trouble raising and caring for them. His father, a decorated soldier, fought in Vietnam and saved many lives. His mother, a nurse in wartime, cared for many African Americans when they returned home from the war. He remembered how the men would come and thank his family for having the courage to stand up to opposition in those ugly, radical, and racial times. Their constitution was strong, and he, like his parents before him, never backed down from a fight. As teenagers, they walked many picket lines and trotted the paved roads with Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. They were strong and proud. His siblings all went their separate ways after his parents died, but they would always call and check in on each other. They vowed they would never lose touch. Sleep was not something that came easy to Major Knight, for the longing of his wife was on his mind. During his watch that evening was peaceful. The clearing, the clear, crisp sky held a very starry night. Not much in the way of sounds except for a passing gazelle or a zebra. In the distance up ahead, elephants were heard rummaging through the Serengeti plain. But other than that, the usual spying continued to take place by servants of other European nations with great risk from the wild African animals. There were no deaths or assaults reported to the camp by the practices of the media that continued to go on each day. Taking his place at the entrance of the site, Major Knight hummed his favorite tune he and his beloved wife were married to, and it brought back memories he cherished with her. And while he was entrenched with those memories, he quietly attained an unexpected visitor. That tune, so amazing by Luther Vandross, I love his music. I saw him once at Carnegie Hall in New York City. He bought down the house. And that voice is like a thousand angels. Ever been there? Oh, no, I haven't. And shouldn't you be asleep with the rest of your constituents, doctor? Call me Rupa. And no, I'm not the least bit sleepy. I'm too excited about life that I know what's bothering me. May I ask what's bothering you? Well, I can see you're a very curious woman and one who pays extra attention to details. But since your reason why you can't sleep is different from mine, why do you ask? She paused and asked, well, am I breaking the rules for being so close to the perimeter of the site? Well, I get reported tomorrow for attesting the rules that were given to me when I arrived, Major. Leonard thought she was testing him to find out what he would say because he somehow knew there was a reason for all of it, maybe to find out where his loyalty lay. And instead of answering her, he said, I asked you a simple question, and you give me the third degree on a totally different subject. It is an honest and simple question, one that doesn't require much thought. But, Major, I could ask the same of you. I have a very important day tomorrow, one that I've waited for a while now. I can't go into detail for security reasons. Now, what's your excuse? And he just told her why he couldn't sleep. So now he's asking her what's her excuse for being up bugging him. 
okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she hesitated momentarily, blinking her eyes and then looking upon him as a trusting soul and said, well, I can't close my eyes because I have discovered something remarkable about these crafts. Can I talk to you? Can I trust you? There is no one else here I can trust. I am not supposed to talk to anyone, but I'm about to bust at the seams because you are humming the right song. Get it? And the song, of course, he was humming was so amazing. Mm. So she's saying to herself, what she's discovered is so amazing, in case anybody didn't catch on to that. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Look, I am just a Marine officer, and my duty at the moment is to protect you and everyone associated with this mission. I am not one of the scientists. That's who you should be talking to you. Why can't you trust them? Because the President of the United States and Nelson Mandela can't trust them. So it's something about those other scientists that she's having a problem with, and also Nelson Mandela and the President. So we'll go. We'll see as we go on. That's why I am here. I was sent by these two men, and I am the only one who can decipher what's on the spacecraft. And believe me when I tell you what's on there, it will shock you. You will never be the same again. That's why I can't sleep. Oh, what am I telling you for? If you tell your general what I said and the presidents find out I told you, the security of the world would be compromised if this knowledge were to get out. Why do you tell me? Do you think your colleagues are so threatening that they would do harm to the world and its people? Surely not the people who you work side by side with. And of course, General Miller is not that kind of man. I've known him for a long while now, and I trust him with my life. But to put your mind at ease, I will not say a word. Thank you. I had to tell somebody, and I trust you. My constitution is so weak right now because this discovery is so wonderful to all melanated people, and its realization is unheard of. Some of the markings on the triangle craft say that soon, There will be a child born, and it will possess and harness a power that is so great that nothing can touch or harm it. I don't know what else it says yet, but I do know there is much more to it. It doesn't tell me whether it's a male or female. I'm beside myself. As Leo listened to her go on and on about her discovery, he was doubtful of what she was saying and thought it to be a joke and a far-out tale in some ways but he vowed he would not mention it to anyone, and he had good reason to. He did not want anyone to think he was nuts. The good doctor made herself tired with all of the joy and exhilaration she was feeling for being black herself. It made her proud. Three hours flew by with the sound of her voice repeating all the possibilities this entity would have. There was nothing he or she couldn't do. This child would possess power beyond measure. Finally, sleep came at a price for she knew she would have to explain to her fellow scientists why she would not be at the site this morning. She would simply say exhaustion finally caught up with her. She returned back to her barrack and passed out. Leo was happy to see her gone and happy to see Saul raise over the horizon. 
This would be a good day, for he knew Ayira had been flying all night just to be with him a few hours from now. He was relieved by Sergeant Taylor, and this gave him a few moments of rest until he reunited with his wife. Every time he tried desperately to attain some rest, he could not close his eyes for a moment because when it got the, until it got the better of him, he went into a subliminal sleep. He began dreaming what the doctor told him what was to come in the impending future. He dreamed of a young child who was walking around in the midst of a crowd. And what was equally surprising about the dream was he could see the child, but no one else could see the child. It reached out to touch him, and he immediately opened his eyes in a cold sweat. He could not go back to his rest. It must have been one hell of a nightmare, said General Miller. Looking at his watch, Avery continued, it's about that time. Are you ready to see your newly wedded wife? Yes, sir. We were married a month before this mission, and we were barely getting to know each other before I was called in. No problem, though. I'll make up for it. I called one of the attendees at the airlines, and she is 39 minutes out. We can make good time to the airport, said General Miller. I'll pull it together, sir. I am up and ready to go, said Leo. Patting him on his back, the general said, Good thought, soldier. Let me go and change. After the change, the two quote-unquote civilians played the part of ordinary people and left in a Volvo station wagon. Arriving just as the attendant said, Leo automatically spotted his beloved Ayera. She, in turn, ran to him. They kissed and embraced each other. She thought, what in the hell my husband and the general is wearing? But she didn't ask. She knew they had their reasons. A big smile came over the general's face as he was just as happy for them as they were for each other. Ayura reached for Avery and hugged his thickly rolled neck. She reached for her man and said, it's good to see you, sweetheart. I missed you so much. I missed you too, Leo replied. Believe me, you were all he talked about, and I'm glad to see you too, added Avery. Come on, let's roll in and get you settled with the in-laws before it gets any later, said her husband. While driving to her Uncle Deju's home in the outlying area of the capital city of Bamako, a year took in all the sights of Africa, what Africa had to offer. The sheer beauty of the land was of itself more gorgeous than a photo or a picture could do it justice. The mountains of the cliffs leading down to the flat landscape with the waters on the beach were spectacular. When they drove through the city, it was ablaze with activity with tourism on the rise there. The hot sun bathed, the hot sun bathed its goodness upon Ayara's flawless chestnut brown body. Her skin beautiful. A feeling of home came over her. The 15 miles south of Mali was, wasn't long enough for her to enjoy the sights and sounds of the motherland. But she knew this wouldn't be the last time she would see this. It would only get better. Thinking back on the last time she saw her uncle, she had just left Maymay to, he had just asked Maymay to marry him. He was very slim and attractive back then 
with a head full of black, tightly curled hair and skin black as the night. May May, on the other hand, had those love handle hips that all man love, men love to embrace. The thing was she, was, she was so short that it was sometimes hard for her to maneuver around. When she made the call to her uncle, there were only two rings when a woman's voice answered in a deep Bamara tone, but she spoke in English. Hello? Aunt Maymay, this is Ayera. I am here in Africa. I am almost outside your door. Is Uncle home? Ayera? Oh, did you? Ayera's here. She's right outside. Her aunt handed the phone to her husband. Ayera, you're outside. I am looking and I don't see you. That's because I'm coming down the road. Can you see me? Yes, I see you now. I see you there. She was the first out of the car as she darted out to embrace her relatives. Her uncle was actually shedding a tear for his long-distance niece. You are still the little girl, Yurla, birthed 24 years ago. You look just like her. I miss her so, but I know we have part of her right here, said Diju. I know, Unc. I miss her too, but Dad's mother told me before she died I was going to have a big event in my life, and I think she meant how blessed I am to have married this wonderful man right here. Uncle, Auntie, this is my husband, Leonard. Baby, say hi to my Aunt Maymay and Uncle Diju Sakibo. Leo observed Ayera's family, noting the graying of Diju's white hair that only grew around the side of his head and the bulging of the middle of his physique for a man who only stood five, six inches tall. And her Aunt Maymay, he estimated her to be around five feet tall with long, white, unkept braids. Her skin was very smooth like butter and dark like the outer shell of a coconut. Pleased to meet you, sir, ma'am, and this is my friend Avery Miller. How do you do, said General Miller. We're fine. Uh, what do you do for work? I mean, it's very expensive to travel here. Money is scarce all over the world. Ayura began to tell her uncle what her husband did when the general interrupted her and said, Leonard and I work for Calibris. That's how he was able to send for her. Yes, that's right. I've been working there for several years. I was going home four times out of the year to see my wife. Now I can split that in half. Ayura knew they had to lie to her uncle about their real profession. It would have jeopardized the mission if anyone else knew about it. Well, that's a very good company to work for. Come in, get your things, and let's get you settled. Her uncle's two-bedroom home was a traditional African home with bold, bright colors of red and aqua blue. The kitchen was yellow and beige with limited space for cooking and serving meals. But considering their location and the other houses in the area, this was very nice. Aunt May May prepared a meal for them before her husband's departure. After supper, her relatives retired to the kitchen to clean up the dishes. The general said his good- goodbyes and left to sit in the car. Ayura walked out with Leo and he explained to her why they lied. She understood. 
Baby, I will not see you again until the weekend. We'll do something together, alone. You miss me? Well, you know I do, but I will be waiting right here patiently. There is so much catching up to do with Uncle that I will be swamped with stories about the family. So I will not be bored at all. He kissed her tenderly, and as her uncle and aunt watched on the dusty stoop, they were pleased and content that the first night went off without a hitch. The men drove off into the dark night with only a pair of headlights looming in the distance. So that was part 97, the uniting. Mm, okay. So okay. Sounds interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, the, 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 the small argument, I wouldn't say an argument. I would say um, a little content, a contestant with her, well, former friend Amelia, because mm-hmm. I think Amelia is really pissed off at Ayara for being, I don't know, happy with her husband as opposed to how she feels about her husband, even though both men are on the same military team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Amelia's husband is a person that is in the club of boulets. Mm. Now, and wait a minute. Did she, this one here that, that just got married, did she used to go with Amelia, Amelia husband? Yes, she, uh, yes. Ayura was uh, involved with Amelia's husband, uh, Garvin, but at the time she didn't know her husband, Leo, at that time. She okay. met him through Garvin. So okay. Garvin has a grudge, per se, against her and Leo. He, now, was, was, <laughs> he, was Garvin and her friend, was they going together during that time? Yes, he was being he was cheating on her with Amelia because Ayura really didn't go for his mess per se. Mm-hmm. You know, with you know, with him being in the boule, you know, and having several other relationships besides one exclusive, mm-hmm. uh Yara wasn't that type of woman to deal with that or mm-hmm. young woman to deal with that. So mm-hmm. and Amelia is totally different from Ayura. She's kinda like that girl around the way type of girl, mm-hmm. you know, lady, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, is looking for somebody to be with mm-hmm. and having a hard time to getting, you know, having a hard time to getting somebody, you know, this, I don't know, um, how can I say this? She's trying to come up on the up, up, trying to, what what do they call that when they, uh, in, when they improve, what do they upgrade? She's trying to upgrade. Okay. Okay, so, so she liked that boule kind of look. Well, when after Amelia got involved with Garvin and how rough he was, you know, he was, mm-hmm. you know, he was more like, I am the man and you are the woman and you stay in your place and, you know. Okay, and Amelia, controlling. Yeah, con- very controlling. Okay. And, uh, yeah, both ladies had a problem with that. But, you know, being as, you know, Amelia is like stuck with him. Mm-hmm. I, well, I guess well, I wouldn't say stuck. She was just, I guess, content. So well, not content married. with him. They are married. Both couples mm-hmm. are married, okay. and so she's, you know, she's, I guess, going to stick by her man regardless, because you know, and these are these are husbands and wives, girls, and I mean, girls and boys, men and women, 
you know, and that's their interest. Mm-hmm. Straight men, straight women. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I'm like, I'm like Black Panther. I don't have any weird stuff going on in the chemistry at all, okay? okay. And and I'm not trying to be I'm not putting anyone else's preferences down. This is my preference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's your story, it's your book, you can write it however <laughs> you want to write. It. So, yeah. <laughs> so, is he still he still in uh in love with um the one, the newlywed, is he still in love with her, or did he ever love her, or, or, or is he just mad because she got away, or what? He's mad because she got away, because he know how special Ayura is, mm. and as we keep going on through the story, he is going, he's very, very angry with her, you know, by him being a boule, and, you know, they know, quote, unquote, secrets. Right, right. You know, secret society, you know, the secret, mm-hmm. you know, it'll, as we go on, it'll explain why he's so angry with her because okay. I, you know, he felt like he should have been married to her mm-hmm. because she is the key mm-hmm. to all this stuff that's going, that's about to go down. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yeah, but it wasn't him. It was mm-hmm. actually, she married the right man because. Mm-hmm. It, through his bloodline and through her bloodline, uh, well, we'll, we'll, well yeah, as, I guess. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we go on, we'll find out reason why he's so angry. And he also wanted his wife to be, um, they call him art, art, art. I can't pronounce that word. Art, mm-hmm. the wife of a boule is an arch, arch, arch. I cannot pronounce the word, okay. but that's what she is. And okay. she, he wanted her to be one of those, but then they ha- they 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 argue all the time, and she didn't okay. want to do it. So okay, yeah, hmm. they're having and, beef. And her and her new <laughs> her, her husband, he he don't do he he know the guy still like her. No, he doesn't. Leo doesn't okay. know any of that because, okay. you know, in the beginning, you know, he chose these guys to come on this mission. It's mm-hmm. his team. But so General Leo? Greer, yeah, it's Leo's team. Okay. You you know the movie, uh, I know you saw the movie uh, Predator, the first one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, he's sort of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger role. I mean, okay. all okay. these guys are under him and he's over them, but okay. then they have a general that's over all of them. So mm-hmm. he chose all these guys because he knows they're tough. Okay, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was really interesting, and and, uh, we don't have a a lot of people because we started late, but they can always come and listen, too. I'm going to have to edit the first part. So uh, you don't have enough time to do another chapter? How long is another chapter? Well, I think I'm looking at our time, and I really okay. don't have time okay. for another. Okay. I okay. could go halfway through it, but no, it we'll wait till next half. time. <laughs> we'll wait till next week and, and be able to do it all. We can do a couple of next week if we could. Okay, 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 mm-hmm. that'd be good. Yeah. So, is there so, anybody online that would like to say something or well, have they, a question? They or? were online and. You know, because of the mix-up, it's like mm-hmm. they left. So that's mm-hmm. why I say they can come back and mm-hmm. listen to uh, the archives. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going well, to you figure ha- out how to edit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have any questions, Sister Bev? Anything else you want to know about the fake company? <laughs> the thing they had to tell them about. <laughs> the the fake company? Yeah, they couldn't say that they when oh, they met the in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, I mean, the company is really not there. That is fake. They just made that up, right? They okay. well, no. That actually, actually, the company is there, but they had to make it up that they worked there just mm. to cover themselves for that mission. That they couldn't mm-hmm. really say that they were soldiers. Mm. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. But they they just tried to act like. They are civilian, working civilians, just got a nine to five. That's what they're mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Now, the soldiers that he have under him or with him, do they know, none of them really know what, what's going on, what they're looking at or looking for, or do they? Was any of them brief? Well, they were, they were brief about the ships, but they didn't know. All that that information that the scientists from Albuquerque came there, Rupert Ocellos, the one mm-hmm. that's talking to Leo, mm-hmm. they don't know what Leo knows. Mm-hmm. And it's something about him that she trusts. And as we go on through the book, you'll yeah. you know you'll know why. But no, they don't know anything. Only Leo knows what she told him about this mm-hmm. entity that's that's on these ships that she mm-hmm. see that she's read the the um the writings on the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah, and only he knows that. And why she chose him? Why she chose him? We'll we'll we'll, we'll find talk out about it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he don't he don't really know because you know he told her he said uh you don't have to worry about me telling anybody because what you're talking about is crazy. You know, it's right, nuts. Right. And right. <laughs> I don't want nobody to think that I believe in that stuff. You know, I'm a soldier. Right. You know. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to believe in that crazy stuff. But he mm-hmm. just don't realize that how crazy it's going to get for him because, and he's already experienced something weird. You know, when he was trying to go to sleep after she kept him up all night and. You know, and everything that she told him about what she saw on that ship, mm-hmm. that, you know, he couldn't really sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had that dream about that right. child. Right. You know, mm-hmm. he was the only one that saw this child, and it was people, like a, a crowd of people, you mm-hmm. know, walking and everything. But it was just one child in this crowd of people, and he was the only one, you know, he was like, don't anybody see this child walking around? You know, whose child is this? Where's the mm-hmm. parents, you know? Mm-hmm. And the child reached out for him, and he woke up because it's like, you know, I'm not your daddy, you know? That's Why are you trying guy. to reach? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So and he just really, like, woke up like, whoa, you know? And so and when he did, the general was like, you know, that must have been one hell of a nightmare or something, you know. So, mm-hmm. but it's okay. all going to come. Yeah, because so they all out there, and basically none of them know what's going on, and except for the scientist lady, and she keeping the other scientists. She she can't let them know because the president don't want everybody to know what's out there because they don't know who leaking and who is who and who undercover and all that stuff. Sound like something that's going on today. 
Exactly, because, you know, by him being the president and uh, Garvin being Boule and all these secrets going around and everything and whatever's going on out there will affect mankind, of course they don't want nobody else to know. (laughs) You know, they just do not want anybody to know what's going to happen or what's happening in the coming days. Okay, okay. And they trying to find out. They say all this is new to everybody. So it's Ex- like opening up a box and don't know what's in it. Ex- it. Right, right. And even though Garvin is part of the boule, I, I have a feeling that he may know something, mm-hmm. you know, because, and, you know, I mean, he may have know, known something from the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because he was angry, and it's, and it's supposed to be his best friend. Garvin is supposed to be his best friend out of all the other soldiers. Mm. So I I think that he is pretending that he is Leo's friend. I think. Oh, yeah. Well, you know he's mad because he's still like his wife. Yeah, he should have played the part that Leo was playing. That, that he, he I guess he thought he was the chosen one to mm-hmm. take part in all of this. Come to find out he wasn't. Right, so. right. And, and he knows something because, like you say, he's into the secret society. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like he have a clue of what's, he, what's getting ready to happen. No, I don't I don't think he does either. I, know, I think he knows something, yeah. but I don't think he knows the gravity of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till we get to the... Uh, the juicy part, the activity, when all this stuff start coming together. Yeah, I think, well, uh, we're going to be on part, I think it's part 90, part 96 next uh-huh. week. Uh-huh. Uh, that's going to explain a lot of stuff, too. It's called the ritual. Well, mm. let's see, we did 97, though. Uh, let me, I think I'm going getting ahead of myself here. Um it's going to be, because a lot of stuff is going to be revealed about her mother. Uh, it's going to be part 96, The Visitor's Return. And a lot of this stuff is going to be about her mother. She's going to find out about her mom and what happened and, you know, why her mother mother died. And it's going to say how her mother died and, you know, what they've been told. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, I hate to give it away, but I'm going to give it away anyway. Mm-hmm. In actuality, her mother didn't die the way they said she did. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother died because she was, well, I, I don't want to give it away, but right. like You're I said, <laughs> yeah, like I said, the way it's explained in here in the visitor's return, her mom didn't die like that. But you'll see on down through the stories. Okay. Uh, how she how she died and what happened to her. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's well, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, and, and metaphysics has no no time. So you know what you have in the book is just we can kind of correlate it with what's going on right now. And as you exactly. get into the book, you could really see it. And like I said before, your book kind of put me in the mind of the Matrix. You know, it's like what she was writing about, it was like real. It was really going on. Even though it might have been a friction, 
was really reality. Mm-hmm. And and the time frame at this point right now is not 2012 yet. Okay. But it's yeah, it's turning into 2012. So, and then they're gonna we're gonna go on up into the future. As I said, I think on the first show we're gonna go past 2042. I think we're gonna get to 2042. Mm-hmm. So it's a little time before 2012 on up to 2042. Because right now, whatever whoever this thing is that's supposed that's on these ships or whatever, it's not hasn't manifested yet. Okay. Okay. Just like today, we don't know what's coming down the pike. We don't know mm-hmm. what's about to manifest. We don't know, you know, about what's happening. You know, you got a lot of things in the movies that's going on because they tell you before they even before yeah, it even happens. They do. So you know, this is kind of where we at. A lot of can... people dismiss science fiction uh, movie, but that's where they put all of this stuff in, in in the science fiction movie, and that's yeah. where they tell you. Exactly, because they they don't want to just lay it out to you in your lap, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Here it is, you know. They they want to kind of skirt around it a little bit and let you try to figure it out on your own. Right. Right. Because right. like Silent Green and all these other movies, it was back in the day, you know, like mm-hmm. eating humans. Yeah. They're doing it now. Exactly. So yeah, it's and 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 it's even hard. It's even it's not hard anymore, but it was to a point where you couldn't distinguish fiction from nonfiction. Right. I think that's where we at now. You know, with uh, Dr. Robert X be talking politics, you can't tell what's real and what's not real. And it, right, you know, and I and and when we have this, when we do this, and I appreciate you, Sister Beverly, for you know, doing this about the chemistry. We kind of sometimes got to get away from politics, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we be kind of start crazy. <laughs> If we're right. dealing with those with those people's problems, you know, so this is really good to kind of take a breather from all of it. But it's still involving politics, but not to a point to where, right. you know, it, uh, you know, it's right there in your face. I think so I, every, I think everything is metaphysical. Mm-hmm. It, that's you know, true. We just gotta we we haven't recognized it. Yeah, but I, I just feel like everything is metaphysics. So, you know, but it's where you want to focus or what part of the metaphysics you want to focus on. And I think right. your books are good to help people to break out their wisdom or what their to make that inner connection that they have. And I just think that it, your book helps help them to make that connection, to kind of look into it or maybe kind of, you know, it just sparks something, wake something up that's laying sleeping in a lot of people. Well, I try. <laughs> mm-hmm. You did a good job. You did a good job. Well, we're down to our last minute, and I'm going to okay. put one of your songs on, and we'll be back next Thursday uh, at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we won't have any technical difficulties. So I'm looking forward to next Thursday. And we're going to do two chapters next Thursday, okay? Okay. All right. Well, thank you. And looking forward. Okay. 
Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.